You're listening to the Plus Music Podcast with Brian and Nick, where we sit down with artists, founders, video game music composers, and discuss early ideas, challenging hurdles, and how the ever-changing music industry will evolve in the digital age. Today we're sitting down with New York-based singer-songwriter Miles Francis. Known by musicians as one of the best-kept secrets of the New York City music scene, Miles talks to us about his collaborations with the likes of Angelique Kijo, Alan Toussaint, Tunde Adabimpe from TV on the radio, and Sharon Jones, to name a few. He's appeared on David Letterman and Jimmy Fallon, and we'll talk about his two singles that he's released this year, Service and Popular, and what's next for this coming year. Here's more from Miles now. Woo! What up? Yeah, there he is. <laughs> So aside, what, do what do you say after that? I don't know. What do you say? So, how does one get started doing doing what you do in the music space? Did you start, you know, thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna get in a band and that's my thing, or were you always like, you know what, I'm gonna do it this way? Like, how, how did it, how did it happen? Um, it was for me. It was my dad is a musician so i grew up going to see him play so it and his whole family extended family are all musicians so it's it was kind of in the cards and mm-hmm. i don't really remember ever deciding anything uh it just i got it just happened first... what kind of music did your dad do he was he had a couple of different worlds he was a jazz trumpeter on one side he also had like a, a folk rock pop singer songwriter side um, so similarly to me, he had sort of like his instrument, which is the trumpet. And then he also had his songwriting and that's, it kind of got carried down to me for me, it's drums and songwriting. Yeah, so, nice. yeah. And it, it just, it just went, I don't know. I, I have no recollection. It, it was all a blur. <laughs> I just got my first drum set when I was six and then, you know, was, was like the, the child prodigy in my circles. And then, uh, pretty much when I got to high school, that's when I started like forming bands and playing around New York city and doing that, you know, writing, going back and forth with bookers at, at small clubs. And Mm -hmm. it it started early like that. So, yeah. yeah. So it just wasn't really a big decision path. Like you didn't have a big moment, like dentist or musician. I got to make a choice right now. (laughs) No, (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, if it was, although there was sort of a decision later in my career, like later, I'm, I'm speaking like I'm like 70 years old talking about like my long career, but um, <laughs> later in my career, uh, towards the end of my life, uh, I was, no, <laughs> um, yeah, it was kind of like uh, I went into being a touring drummer and that was my that was like seemingly the path for me because I was a drummer first and foremost. And then it was like, okay, well, what you do is you join bands and you just go off and do it. And then pretty much like five years, five or six years into that, I had a kind of like a, you know, the path diverged and I was like, oh, I don't know if this is actually for me. It turns out, even though I thought this was my dream, my dream is all as actually a different direction so mm-hmm. there was a decision but it came later was that the crossroads of continue to be a touring drummer or be my own singer songwriter yeah pretty much um mm-hmm. it was you know i still love playing drums and you know for 
whoever like friends and, and anyone who who asks i always consider it but but there was a time when i was saying yes to everything on drums and then mm-hmm. there, and then it was like i would be on the road like writing my own music all the time and and um it just got to be too much i was like i think actually what i want to do like drums are the medium that that and how i th- the sort of way that i think about music through but like songwriting mm-hmm. is the the thing for me so mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting. So you, you had to grow up. I, I'm just assuming you grew up outside of New York City. I have this no. vision in my head that maybe your dad used to play in Manhattan and that's where you left. I No, I grew up in, in Manhattan in Greenwich Village. Yeah. Oh, so cool. I, we not were, a bad, we not were, a bad neighborhood. Yeah. We're right in the thick of it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So it was uh, obviously, I think I heard 1991 is yeah. um, how long you've been on this great earth. So you missed CBGBs and um, any of uh, CBGB British was, was there. Nice, CBGB but... was there until like the early two thousands. It was, but was I, it? but I yeah. I'm by the sure time I... I was going out, it, it was on the way out, and for you know. <laughs> so you were go. You weren't going there when you were eight. No, I did play there. I mean, I was going to like to the venues my dad was playing at. He never played at CBGB's when I went, but he played there when when he was you know coming up. But like, yeah, for me it was more like um, there were places like Baby Jupiter and the Living Room and Mercury um, Lounge and and Knitting Factory and all that. Like Knitting Factory, the old location was where when I was in high school we were playing there as much as possible. so I caught like now the end Brooklyn, of a, right? yeah, now it's in Brooklyn and I caught like the end of a, a of a moment. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so there's like, you know, there's two kind of parts of your, of your, of your music life right now. You, you have the side that you're writing your own tunes and doing your own thing. And then, um, and then you've got the stuff that where you're helping out other artists and, and, and participating in, in that stuff. Um, tell us about the new project. We'll get back to the other stuff and then love to hear about how, how COVID was that mm-hmm. time period of, mm-hmm. of strangeness for most musicians. Um, but tell us about yeah. the new, the new project, how that came to life. Um, the new project is something that is, has been in, you know, I've been doing my whole life. I, I grew up with, I did grow up in the age of garage band, not the concept, but the application on a laptop. <laughs> and I would uh, layer my self like infinite times just, just with making my own songs and, and all that when I was young, when I was like 10 or you know 12 or whatever and into high school. And then, so this project, you know, then I went off, played with a bunch of bands that I had my own whole band that was like a huge 10 piece band, a mafe that you mentioned earlier. And then it basically took like my own home recording setup just leveled up in this way that I started, my demos started sounding better and better. And then I started just wanting it to be the demo is just the song. Um, and mm-hmm. that once that like switch flipped, it was pretty much like, oh, okay. Like I can just stay in here and make as much music as I want. And it can sound however I want. And I can layer myself singing 20 times and, and mm-hmm. then send it out and send it out to Spotify or like Bandcamp or whatever. And mm-hmm. that's and it's a good thing. It's a good lesson to learn at a young age yeah. is that like, I've always hated the demo. But the, every time I've done like a demo, 
and then re-recorded it, it lost a lot of the spontaneity. It might've gotten even a little too thought out, if you will, but the writing while recording is such a different art form. I, but didn't mean to take you off track, but I could just totally oh, yeah. relate to that, man. No, I'm big on writing while recording. I, I love that. And once I realized that that was an option, I was like, okay, great. Well, mm-hmm. now I can just, my music that I put out can be just this true direct line into what's what I want to say, what, what my energy is like, um, mm-hmm. which of course is also in songs when you write them and you play them with a band and other people elevate that. Like, that's a beautiful thing too. But totally. I just started, I just really fell in love with, with like that direct line concept and just like leaving in the mistakes and, and, and all of that stuff. So that's now I'm about to put out my first full length album with with that as sort of at that stage in the evolution which i'm super excited mm-hmm. about so how would you uh so how are you approaching re- like releasing uh your own record did you yeah these days doing uh <laughs> are you partnering with anybody on it or are you doing it all solo yeah i have uh there's no label there's i have management and management team and uh pr and um you know that that's and i have like you know a publisher and i basically have everything but the label um and that has sort of been my uh accidental approach like it's just been how it's been for for me personally like mm-hmm. since i've released music with all the bands i've made music with it just like i started early with these like more business side things and then it mm-hmm. just carried over into me just you know i know that like emailing is like part of it so now it's turned well and you're of that generation that like you know it's us you know i'm a little bit older than you and it's like we're used to these places that used to exist called the record store and we're used to the attention um being in the places where you needed a record label to get to which was radio print media mtv and retail placement now who's, that you take all those, what's that? <laughs> just saying, who's actually used to that anymore, though? You know, like exactly. That's why I'm saying, not, like, is the, you know, what you call it, like the proverbial or the traditional record deal, even attractive to kind of the new generation of self-produced artists like yourself? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways it can go, and, and I'm not somebody that, you know, I'm not anti-record labels. Like I'm you know, it's, it's more just like, yeah, I, I, it's just how it's gone for me. But at this point, it's like, I have a lot of friends who have been on labels who then leave and, or who aren't on labels and then they get on one. And it's, it's literally like every single person has a different experience at this point. Totally. I feel like there was maybe a time when it was a little more cut and dry. Like you get a record label and you do like your music gets out there more. Like it was Mm -hmm. like a real, but now it's like, you sign a deal and you're still like the artist is still the main vector for promotion. Whereas the label has less, has less of that power. It's like, yeah, you're only really at that point kind of negotiating for budget so that you can go hire a Mm -hmm. team to help you out. Yeah. Totally. Um, Yeah. So you got, you, you do have management and then like, so What's the strategy? So like, you know, a lot of people that listen to the music side of this podcast are musicians too, right? And everybody's trying to pick up like little trips, tricks and tips about like what works 
you know, we, yeah, we did somebody last week that works for empire records. There's a lot of promotion for artists in that, uh, for that label. And, and there's some really interesting concepts that, they, that he was using. Right. Um, hmm. What do you see working or that you, that you see artists doing right now? I mean, for me, it's, it's a lot about like, n- I, I believe in like really cherishing every everything you put out, um, not and not being too precious about things, but like presenting, like acting the part. You know what I mean? Like uh, especially for independent artists, I feel like there should it, it boils down to like you are responsible for so much from top to bottom of like how you present to the world as an artist and. It, it, it all needs to be, you, you get, you need to give it attention, you know? And, and if it's the sort of like, even the most casual, like seemingly casual artists, sometimes like even that is, is its own ethos and brand. Like, and I don't, so for me personally, I approach it like, like, um, you know, okay. So I have an album that's going to come out in late January. So how between now and then, am I going to let the world and the people who are following me know what I'm about? Like, like saying what I actually feel like what I'm actually trying to say as an artist while also like, you know, uh, every single song, like what is the outfit for that song? What is the visual sort of like look of this song? And, you know, I, I love thinking about all of my songs in that visual ways because, right, like people experience music visually now in, in, in like this crazy way, but it is also an opportunity. So, yeah, I, yeah. I basically like you have my end goal and then it's like, OK, I'm piecing out, spacing out my releases in an interesting way so that each each mm-hmm. song I'm releasing can have its little moment and then you move on to the next moment and you kind of keep people so, like being like, yeah, what's, what's describe next? one of those, describe one of those early moments coming up then. So you have like one track yeah. coming out, say, for example, you have a single coming out. Yeah. Are you pairing that? Social social media. Yeah. You, I mean, I, you pairing that with a video. Do you, do you focus on TikTok, Instagram, uh, Twitch? Like, are you, are you, are you kind of another, another concept that a lot of artists that we see using is like, as they're doing the record, they're bringing the audience in to the whole experience, like in real time on Twitch. And then the song comes out and they're like, Oh, I voted on that baseline track, like that take, you know what I mean? And cool. Like it made it into the record and blah, blah, blah. So anything like that that you're doing, what are you thinking about that kind of stuff? Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, yeah. I mean, the, 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 basically my first, uh, goal is okay I, you know i'm putting out a song uh, and i want to have a music video for it um and so that music video when i shoot the music video i also have a photo shoot at the video shoot so that yeah. when i put out the video i also have photos to put out um with the same outfit the same look and i'm also like kind of cutting costs but in that way too because it's like okay i can have like it all happen on the same day (laughs) and then yeah so that's then it just sort of becomes its own little like like campaign that that you can then choose to roll out whenever the time comes in 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 your way and then that so that's like the more 
manicured stuff, but then there's also, yeah, the TikToks and Instagrams of, all, of it all where you're like, it's a little more off the cuff or it's, it's not as sort of married to the art. Well, I mean, as a, in that outside of social media, um, what do you, how do you stay in communication with your fan base? I mean, that pretty much is it these days, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, these days, or unless, yeah. you, unless you have a Patreon or, mm-hmm. um, you know, things like that. But um, so is that, so it's just so I hear you right. You're putting out a single, you stay engaged via social media, you make your content like videos and stuff that you can fly around to these specific places, TikTok for videos, maybe YouTube as well. Um, you put these things out and that's what gets your fans going there. You give them little tidbits and a- along the way, you're reminding them, hey, January's the day. This is when yeah. my new record comes out. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, that paired with people like like people love seeing the process now which is so great i think and so then you have there's a lot of different ways to unpack you know a certain release where it's like okay you have the actual thing and then you can go into how it was made and and you know video the process throughout so that you can kind of stitch it all together later for a little making is that what is that what you're doing you doing something like that yeah i i try to do that like at some point with every release with every song it's like you know at some point there's it's pivots to the behind the scenes you know but i don't really i don't lead with that because i like to lead with like the the more like um polished stuff but then i like to like peel it back from there um Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's cool Uh, i'm gonna shift gears a little bit real quick um so when you're doing when you're partnering with other musicians and you know you sounds like you're doing session work and things like that how do those how do those things come about is that network like if 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 i'm putting my head into i'm a musician and i'd love to work with somebody that i'm you know will butler or whatever jones yeah Yeah, arcade fire dude like how how do you uh, even how does he get in there yeah how do you how do you do that is that just your personal network is somebody setting those up for you that's a lot of personal network, but I also have to say that a lot of those opportunities came out of me straight up reaching out to people um, and just being sort of unashedly proactive. And just, I joined, when I was in college, I joined this band Antibalas that I literally uploaded videos of myself playing their songs on YouTube. And then I sent, I like searched out at the time, it was like MySpace and Facebook and sent it to a couple of them and then they responded and started giving me notes back and forth. And then I would upload another video. And then eventually they were like, we need a drummer. Uh, can you audition? And then, <laughs> That's so great. And then we had Antibalas, to feel like the singer of journey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And then with, with, then fast forward a few years, I'm touring with Antibalas and we're opening for arcade fire on the road. And then, I met Will uh, and I just loved what he, I loved his whole vibe and I went and saw him play a solo show and um, I was like, he was playing with a drum machine. So I just like emailed him. I was like, Hey, if you ever need a drummer, like, you know, you have a great, uh, the drum machine is great, but like, if you ever need a drummer, let me know. And then he was like, yeah, actually (laughs) you want to meet up? (laughs) Like fantastic. Yeah. And it's kind of like, and then from there, from, from there, you know, you other things happen but that has been a big has been a theme for sure is just like being like 
Just hustle. I'm just going to try to reach, like, everybody's on social media. So just, I know. You know, it's funny that, like, that goes so far. You know, I do, we do that a lot in business stuff. And it's like, everybody's on LinkedIn now, you know, if you're in the business world in any way, Mm -hmm. pretty much everybody's able to be touched. Like, Mm -hmm. you can reach out to them, you know, but without a doubt. But so, so that makes sense. And then, um, and then I'm sure that just kind of snowballs a little bit into more. Well, and it's even a testament to at the end of the day, networking is quite possibly the biggest muscle to be flexing or building. If you want to be a musician, you know, especially like you just said, if you didn't reach out to so-and-so, you might not have ever gotten in front of Will. And right. I'm sure there's a very similar scenario with Sharon Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, networking is, it can look like a lot of different things. Like I, I've, you know, we all hear that networking is important. And I think for me, when I, when I hear networking, I'm like, I think about going out to parties or like social, you know, that stuff, which, which gives me the, the name GBs tag and stuff. Bit. Yeah. <laughs> or just like being out there, which, which is huge as well, but I'm not personally like, like built for that totally, but networking is just just reaching out to people it doesn't mean necessarily going out to a thing it means like doing your research following someone's work and then and then like just seeing when there might be like you know just keeping in touch you know yeah well you know i think people have what do they say there's like the reason why the phone number is only seven digits long right is because that's kind of what the brain has is pretty good at remembering for like one thing you know and (laughs) tell that to the uk and then if you, well, a lot of those numbers are even this, you know, even our area code is, is standardized. So you don't have to remember that as much, you know, but that happens when you're thinking, how many drummers do I know? Even though you might know a ton, like it's the ones that are in your recent memory that you come up faster, you know? Yeah. And that's just how, that's how things work. Um, cool, man. So I, am, know, I am curious to know though, about Jimmy Fallon, Sharon Jones, and David Letterman. Like, mm-hmm. these are those are iconic names. Everybody wants to play on those shows. I have, but um, everybody, <laughs> else, let's hear let's hear about your Flex. experience. <laughs> yeah, um, y- you know, I I love that. I don't know. Yeah, I love that stuff. I'm just like I I when I, I was on Jimmy Fallon. It's actually a crazy story. I, when I was my first year in college, my first like month, I uh, went to a taping of Jimmy Fallon with a, with a friend, and we were in the line waiting to go in. And uh, someone comes up to me and is like, "Hey, we're looking for people to play like this stupid game during the show. Would you want to?" And I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." So they brought me backstage. It was a game called Shake Your Hat and Gloves Off, where they put like these doctors' uh, gloves on on your hands and it's you have to shake them off and Sounds i won impossible. yeah nice. and i won and the kicker is that so i was wearing i was wearing my antibalas t-shirt as i was just a fan and i was on tv wearing it and i realized that the guitar player of the roots their band uh kirk was my preschool teacher from new york from like early new york days no he was way just, yeah, he was just starting out like like gigging and stuff, but he was a preschool teacher. And 
so I connect with Kirk and I'm like, and he's like, whoa, nice shirt. Like, you know, and I was like, yeah, antivalas, I love it. And then fast forward, like years later, uh, I was with antivalas. We went on to Jimmy Fallon and for this record we put out and we were playing and I was like, I saw Kirk again and I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm back. It's, 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 I'm now in the band that like the shirt and the, the this, and you get it. So yeah, it was, it was an amazing what experience. What was he like? What a way. He was like, how did yeah. all this happen? <laughs> it was great. He, he's, he's the nicest. Uh, he was, he was super proud of me. And uh, he's like, you know, I was his preschool student. It's, that's a strange. That's so cool. Thing. But yeah, you know, I, I love all that. Like, tv david letterman was great he like i i have a screenshot of him after we finished playing you know he did the classic like are those your drums do you know about this he says that to all the all these drummers no kind of go to on youtube go on youtube and search uh david letterman drums and there's a super cut of him saying to different drummers the after the performance he turns to them and says hey are those your drums or those are some nice drums and he did that to me, so I was honored uh, that he <laughs> that he did that. And what what act um, were you playing Letterman with? That was with Will Butler. Yeah. Oh, okay. Was, cool. Awesome. Yeah. So. So Miles, uh, we're kind of coming out of the pandemic for musicians. I know, like you know, the Stones are touring. Like, there's big acts touring again. Um, you got those are always good signals, right? When the when the big acts are able to like. Mm-hmm reliably fill out a stadium and um they're getting Keith know. Richards back out there you know it's a good just like prop them back up with stick I can't think of a more and... compromised immune system yeah <laughs> uh but so yeah like how, how did that time go for you what'd, what'd you do during that time oh um well I finished a record um and there was a lot of growing i would say um you know there's the i got a dog i i i you know was fully in quarantine doing all the quarantine things um but i also finished this record and uh also throughout the year uh got very involved uh in protests and black lives matter protests and my friend friend and i like started a, a little group of musicians that would supply musicians for protests. And through that, I met, uh, there were, there were a lot of different connections that were made through the year through that lens. Um, so it was, it was one of these, yeah, it was just as crazy of a year, but as it could have been, but it was very formative for me. And I definitely grew, I feel like, you know, a lot. <laughs> and did you ever hit all- that wall that I think, everyone hit of this i remember when it first said i was like hey, you know in a couple of weeks this is gonna be this will yeah. be behind us and then when you start thinking about it well gosh how long could this be a couple of months like what yeah. was i'm gonna have to say it was probably about the eighth or ninth month plus i had a baby in quarantine so <laughs> it was just like that on top of it i think probably like the eighth or ninth month is when i hit a wall and was just like i need to get the fuck out I need to get out. Like, I need to do something. I need to see friends. I need this to be going away now. Yeah. My gosh. I mean, there were so many walls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There were so many. And it really just, it luckily, like in, last summer in New York, it's summer 2020 was, 
a very special summer. People were, everything was happening outdoors, right? And like, it was, there were a lot of DIY like shows happening, like this DIY like culture and ethos like really like came up because, you know, all, all the venues were just setting up outside and there were just people doing shows in parks and, you know, Prospect Park was like, usually there are tons of musicians playing, but like in Prospect Park was truly like people bringing their PA systems, setting up like a whole thing. And then you Prospect walk- Park has that venue, right? There's a vent. There's like a, there's one that stays there all the time, isn't there? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. they have the the like band shell type thing. Um, but this was was Even like small, more DIY. Little, little shows, and so that was like, I'll never forget that summer because we were just that those walls that that you were mentioning, like they, it it helped to just go outside at least and be able to like see people and you know at a distance and all that but like mm-hmm. you know pretty luckily, interesting how like a yeah. city like new york would react to that right like yeah holy that's a it, it you know it depends on where you're at like if you're if you're in a space where people are already on top of each other right like literally stacked yeah. how does it how do, how do folks react with that you know because like new york's all about the going out culture right like it's all about like the things that you do outside of your tiny apartment right Mm -hmm. and so and like and then the weather is going to be part of that but you know when it's cold as hell you want to be indoors somewhere but yeah especially in the summer when it's like i get the fuck outside because yeah maybe maybe you don't have ac like most people (laughs) you know exactly and there were many moments where i truly just wanted to leave new york forever i was like why if i can't you know, you, you start to see it in a different way when, when, like you said, you can't go out to anything. You're just in your apartment and you're like, why do I live like this? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, oh yeah, right. I live in New York for everything out there. Else. Everything yeah. outside. Exactly. You know, that's a, not a bad, my wife actually grew up in Manhattan on 80th and third. So the Upper East Side part. Um, but I've always found that the people that I meet that are born and raised in New York, have such a bigger appreciation for outside. Like my wife is yeah. like that always. If we're sitting inside for more than a couple hours, it's like, let's get the kids and go outside. We got to get outside. I'm a San Diego guy. It's freaking 70 degrees and sunny every single day. I can take a few days and stay inside. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, so it's now, it's cool. So it's it's sort of melting now a little bit. Like, no, that analogy probably is it's getting cold in New York right now, but like the the covid stuff's kind of um Settling down. turning down a little bit and our clubs back open everything's kind of back to normal or are you out and playing it's it's the end it's starting to wind up for sure um i wouldn't say it's normal um just for but but yes it's all happening it's all happening <laughs> um like is know. mercury lounge open i mean yeah it's low ceilings in a small club would you yeah it's all open right now it's just it's just a matter of people it's sort of on everyone it, it's on everyone to on individually to sort of decide what they're comfortable with so but shows are have i've played a couple of shows now since you know since covid and um it's it felt 
amazing like it felt amazing to play a show again um one of them was on a rooftop which was which was just great and then I did another one indoors which which I was a little nervous about because I just haven't done an indoor show but I did that it felt great and you know just it's kind of like one day at a time it feels for me personally Mm -hmm. one show at a time for sure well as we as we wrap up um where uh where where is your next show when's the next one the next one I'm playing at um, Brooklyn Bowl next month. Um, cool. Actually, opening for Antibalas, which is the band I used to be in, uh, and so that'll be really fun. Um, they asked me; it's kind of a full circle moment for me because, as I said, like I joined that band, and then through you know through an evolution and a process, I realized that I didn't want to be in that band, or I wanted to embrace my own in my own sort of work. And so now years later, I'm, I'm going to open for them at their show. So with my own project and my own music. So yeah, that's, that's, that's very cool. Great. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Well, uh, we'll have to put that in the show notes. And um, mm-hmm. as we uh, send everybody off, what song do you want? Um, yeah, you want what's a good first hear? impression of you, Miles? You've been in so many acts and um, your solo stuff's coming out. I don't know if you want to premiere at first here or maybe one of the new singles you put out in 2021 up to you yeah i mean th- this is coming out in i think this i'll, I'll send you my my song good man uh, which is my next single good it's man. coming out in just a couple of weeks yeah it'll be nice. right about the right time yeah so <laughs> it, and it's kind of like the i'm announcing my album with this song and it's a song that is lyrically and and sort of uh in many ways the a center of the album um and the album is about masculinity about um all, all these sorts of subjects that we can go into on another podcast there you go <laughs> excellent there you go uh, yeah good man the song. good cool man mouth. well the pleasure good. was ours <laughs> yeah good to meet you man and uh good luck good out there you. and when you're when you're out on the west coast you have to let us know right yeah, yeah definitely sure. i hope mm-hmm. to get out there soon Cool. Sooner than later. Yeah. All right, guys. Awesome, Miles. Take care. Thank you. Yeah.